Let's get let's get into that. What you were talking about with the Mothman sightings. You, you also you you. I wanted to cover that the flying what you were talking about because in your book you talk a little bit about everything. You talk about UFOs. You talk about these weird. There, there, there are several sections of the of the book that you get into. You were talking about the Mothman looking crazy. It's funny because I just did the Mothman, but what what was that all about? And then if you could tell your pteranodon, can you do that? Sure. So the Mothman was uh, uh, seen uh, by an elderly couple driving down uh, a road called the Trace in LBL, and it. Uh, they described it as looking like the most evil creature that you can possibly imagine with bat wings. And, you know, they, they saw it briefly and it took off into the air. So that's happened a couple times down there. But the Pteranodon I saw, and this was 1998 summer. It was me and my ex-wife. We were driving down uh, in the Geneva Bottoms, right below Burbank's Hill and Smith Mills, right? Uh, it's a place called Klondike Road. And we just had a tornado a couple of days before that. And the road was muddy. It's a gravel road. Not really wide, you know, it's just for tractors and stuff like that. But it was muddy and we had tree limbs down all over the road. And we're driving back there. It's one of my research areas. Uh, it was the area that uh, one of my witnesses saw a water monster back in the 80s. But we were driving down there looking around, and we finished our our little trip. We went back down, look at the Highland Creek, which is a swampy area, right? And we just checking stuff out, and we're we're driving back. And I'm having to drive real slow because the road is is soft, you know. And there's tree tree limbs everywhere. And and my wife at the time, she said something like, "Well, what in the world's going on over here, honey? Uh, there's a hang glider. Some guys." flying a hang glider over here by the trees and there was, we were driving along this field and it was probably I don't know 500 feet 500 feet wide and trees the tree lines next to it right and so and she kept saying this and I, I'm trying to concentrate on driving you know how you've been with, with a woman for 10 years you know you don't really pay attention like you should to everything she says right it <laughs> kind of like goes in one ear and out the other and I'm like okay yeah baby sure no comment from me Whatever. No comment. Yeah, no, that's it's wise. So, but she kept on and on. And she goes, "Who the? Look at this crap. Is this who's this guy think he is? The Red Baron or something?" So finally, I I looked out. Uh, I leaned over toward her and down where I could look out of the window, and I couldn't believe what I saw. And I, I looked back at the road real quick, and then I looked back again. I said, "That's not a hang glider. That's a bird." And I'm slowing down real slow and trying to look out the window. And I look out again, and it's it's flying down to the treetops. It's almost to the treetops. And the last glance I get is it banks to the right. It has its feet outstretched like it's going to land on a limb down in the trees. And it's going right down. It banks to the right and sort of out of my uh, line. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And when I said it was a bird... Uh, it instantly dawned on my ex-wife that that's exactly what it was. But this this thing had a wingspan, Josh, of about 20 feet. And it was solid red like a Coca-Cola can. No no feathers at all on its body. It had uh, a ring of hair, reddish-brown hair, right above its feet. It had the feet of a, an eagle or something like that. Right, but 
and uh, bluish-like veins going all through it. You could see the veins in it, and uh, like I said, that wingspan of 20 feet. And uh, when she said, it, when she realized it was a bird, she said, "Oh my God, you're right, you're right." And she she got a good look at it. She was looking at it for two or three minutes before I ever. I just got two or three small glances, right? Yeah, but the wings were so long and skinny. It, I remember being struck, uh, amazed by the fact that wings that slender could achieve and uh, attain flight and maintain flight, you know, but it never flapped its wings. It was like gliding down toward the treetops. So I get the idea, I'm going to pull over and I'm going to run back into this wood line and see if this thing has landed in the trees where I could get a real good look at it. And my, my wife at the time said, are you crazy? You don't even have so much as a pocket knife with you. You better not run back in there. That thing will eat you alive. And I kind of listened to her then, and I've seen that she was probably right. So I give up that, uh, that, uh, that notion. But that's the strangest thing I've ever seen, Josh, is that Pteranodon right there in Geneva, Kentucky, uh, coming in for a landing on the trees. You know, I never would have believed that. Of all the things that I've seen, and, and, and I had no problem believing my own eyes, I never would have believed that I was seeing something prehistoric like that uh, in the sky of western Kentucky. It was just so bizarre. And you, do, do you, let me ask you a question. Do, you know, all these weird things that, that, that have happened in the water and the air, these weird things that happen on the land, do you believe that they're all tied in to this? Yeah. Possible and is it possible yeah. the cave systems? That's where they're coming from. So, some of them, yeah, but the ones that step through the portals, you know, they're not obviously not coming from caves. They're coming from some other. I don't want to maybe dimension, but to me, there are only two dimensions, right? Uh, everybody's talking about talking about parallel universe uses in a quantum physics and all this stuff, but that's really just uh, gobbledygook to me because there are only two dimensions that concern us as human beings as the physical dimension and the spiritual one and both are equally as real and, and you so, said you saw a portal right you saw one yes yes it was on Mount Ridge Road I was nine years old we were coming back from town uh, from getting groceries and me and my brother was in the back seat of the station wagon reading the new comics that we just bought we just bought a new comic you know if we were lucky we got one comic a month and it only cost a quarter so we're reading a comic and we was turning, was going around this curve. It was actually the last curve going up to our house, and there's trees right there. But I just happened to look out the window because I just finished my comic book. It only took me like ten minutes to read the comic. And I looked out the window and I, there was a big cloud bank above those trees. And while I was looking, a circular hole formed in, the, in a large cloud, and it was so so strange. In behind the cloud, in the opening, I could see a castle, and it looked like a medieval castle. It had two uh, tall towers on it, and they were each uh, uh, pointed towers like spires, and each of them had one red, long, uh, triangular pennant streaming from, from the top of the, of the spires. It was a turreted castle, and I could see it so plain. I could see the door. I saw the door was wood. And it had iron ironwork around it, and I could just about count every block in that uh, castle that I was looking at. And then 
I grabbed my brother's arm. I said, Dean, Dean, look here, look here. And he looked over and he said, wow. He saw it too. But about that time we rounded the, the curb, the trees obscured our vision. And we come out and straightened out from that curb. The cloud was normal again. So, and I always thought that that was, you know, I just had some kind of vision, right? And then Linda Godfrey really uh, made me realize that what I had seen was a portal into another dimension. Strange as that may sound, woo as that may sound, I hate using that, that dang word. It makes me feel like a kindergartner, but as strange as it may sound, it's 100% true. I saw the castle. It was there one moment, and then the, the cloud, the, the opening closed, and the cloud was gone. Also, another strange thing that happened there, Josh, uh, I don't think any other researcher alive has experienced this, was uh, a skyfall. So we were laying in bed one summer night, and we had just a terrific thunderstorm, and it shook the whole house, right? And it was lightning and thunder and rain. And we got up the next day, and it was a Saturday, and we went out, the kids went out, to play, and we noticed that all the mud puddles in the yard were full of tropical fish, and were laying all over the ground, and all the ditches, the roadside ditches, were just teeming with thousands of them, and they were a typical gold, I still remember it just like it was yesterday, the typical goldfish, and we had the angelfish, with the, the black and white angelfish with the long uh, dorsal fins and tails. And we had the little neons, like, you know, that you used to be able to buy at Walmart, the little guppy-like with the purple heads. And so we, we ran in the house and started getting out every bowl and mason jar that we had and filling them up with these fish, putting the fish in them. And they mom matter in hell. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they, they fell with the rain the previous night. It's the only explanation I can come up with because they were there were literally thousands of them. And it didn't flood or, you know, even if it flooded, the Green River was right next to us. But even if that flooded, guess what? There are no tropical fish in the Green River. So yeah. that's another strange thing we experienced there. And I like I don't know if anyone else, anyone else that's ever went lived through one of those. Speaking of that Green River, where, which, was it the Ohio River, the Green River, um, that you guys, there was like a 14-foot, was it an alligator gar? Trying to remember. That was the Ohio. The Ohio. Yeah, River. that was my boss that I was working for at the time. He told me that he was in a twelve foot John boat and the gar swam up next to the boat and was just hanging out right by the boat and the, the head was about two foot over the front oh, stern gosh. and the or the the bow and the, the, the uh tail was two foot beyond the back. So it was a huge alligator gar. I don't know if you know a lot about those I do. Type of food. Yeah, but they so Someone asked me, "Well, what do you think? What do you think something like that would eat?" And I said, "Anything, anything it wants. <laughs> anything it wants. It's an alligator swimming in the Ohio River with hundreds of razor sharp teeth, so it could eat anything it wanted." Yeah, so that's another reason why I'm, I'd never swim in that river again, and so thankful that I uh, lived through all the times that I did swim in it. Yeah, we caught. But I'll never get in again. Brother. I saw a four and a half foot alligator guard get pulled out of the San Gabriel one time, and, and I thought, "Oh my gosh!" And I was always swimming yeah. in there, taking jumping off the oh, rope man. and jumping in that water. And right there, where we were swim, we went out there and we went fishing one time with my. Uh, it was my sister's ex boyfriend. He took me fishing, and 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 his brother Mike, I believe, 
and uh, and, and our two of his brothers, and we were all out there, and and one of his brothers caught an alligator gar, fought with it for a while, and then he got it in and yeah. pulled it. <clears throat> Nastiest looking creature. The People. When you fly it so long, you have to get it in. You have to cut the line, right? You do. <laughs> it's, 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 there's nothing you can do mom. with it. That thing is nasty. Let me tell y'all folks what we're talking about here. This, this alligator gar, okay, the head is just full. It's it's almost alligator looking. That's why they call it that. But it's a fish, and it's got gross, just a gross looking face full of teeth. I mean, just full of teeth. If you ever watched River Monsters with that guy on there? I don't know his name. He's always jumping in the water and grabbing these monstrous looking creatures in the river. Uh, Jeremy Wade, I think his name is. Um, but he, he gets in the water and he, he grabs these, these fish, you know, and, and that thing, it just, it, I've seen it on there too. I, I believe I, I think he had one on there and it might've been in Texas. Um, but I, cause I know Texas full of them. And, uh, I'm gonna yeah. tell you a, a crazy story. Uh, when I, I had a guy who told me, I think, I think this happened in near Manitoba, or in man, or in, in uh, it was in their Manitoba. It's up in Canada, and there's a lot of lakes up there. But he said that they were in a lake, and there was one that had like a small little cliff where you could kind of jump off into the water. Um, and he said it wasn't real; it wasn't like a cliff. It was like maybe twelve, fifteen feet, something like that. But it was like an overhang. And uh, one of his buddies was. Uh, he said they were kids. They were preteens, whatever. They were. They weren't even you know teenagers. They're just little kids. And he said, but he goes, he's like, I'm 40. I remember like it was yesterday. And he said that, that one of his buddies was swimming. They had, he had jumped in the water first. They had just gotten there to go jump in. And he was swimming across. And he said they saw this weird-looking grayish-blue elongated thing swimming underneath his buddy. He said that, that the water was pretty clear, uh, at least about 10, 12 feet down. And he said that they, they saw it come up. And it swam right up underneath their friend and then went down and it was his turn to jump in and he started screaming and, you know, his buddies, they saw it too. And the kid that was in the water, I mean, you're talking about like a 12 year old kid, you know, they're telling him, Hey, there's something down there. And they said that it came back up and the kid looked down and he said that he just began to scream and panic and then started to sink because he got so panicked. He wasn't even able to swim, you know? And so he said somebody had to jump in and help him. And then he's like, I, you know, and he goes, I'm sorry to say that I didn't do it. He goes, I was so terrified. And and he estimated that that whatever that that elongated looking creature was, uh, he was it was it was he said it wasn't real wide, you know, but it was like you know by, you know, standards like monster. If you're thinking of of the monster, you know, he goes, it was probably about a foot and a half wide, but it was really long. And he said it looked. Uh, really scary. Like it had like uh, multiple fins, which was weird. And he said it looked like a cross between a reptile and a fish. And it was right underneath his buddy. And uh, that the kid got got control of himself. And th there there was some shallow water that was real that was real close, not not far away. And he managed to you know, ten yards. You know, and he got back up there and started running out of the water. And he said, "I felt terrible. I wouldn't jump in that water." And he goes, "And after that, we just left. We were just like, I don't know what that was." You know, um, but it was pretty scary. And, and, you know, there, there, there's, you know, in this fresh water and you're thinking, oh, there's nothing in that water. My grandpa used to always say, and ain't nothing in that fresh water. Ain't no sharks, you know, blah, 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 which he doesn't know the bull sharks from river all the time, but. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the, the alligator guards are also known as freshwater barracudas. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's another, so they have a long, slender, elongated body, not very wide. 
but they have multiple fins all down their body. So what that sounds like to me would be a, a an extra large alligator guard that they they saw. But it's up in Canada. I don't know. Do they have them in Canada? Vicious. I don't even know. Oh, okay. Canada. Okay. But these guys, these alligator guards are really vicious, and they like you say they eat everything in that river. So a fourteen foot alligator guard would would Gosh. probably eat you. Oh man! What are your thoughts about octopus, uh, like freshwater octopus? Because that was something me and Scott Martis were going to talk about when we did our show together. But <clears throat> you know, unfortunately, he passed. Rest his soul. But um, you know, what what are your ideas about that? Because that was one of the things that me and him had talked about, and and me and him and Ryan had kind of talked about at length was these freshwater octopi that you get stories about one of them was in uh, lake texoma uh got another one in a in a, in a lake I can't, I, I can't let me pronounce this name to you um and, and the, this was a crazy story i got from somebody who uh sent me and they were real adamant you know and, and this lake was in uh let me see if i can say this name right <laughs> Snazavatnet, Snazavatnet in 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 East Norway, in Eastern Norway, wow. somebody pulled out a freshwater octopus, and I'm going to do a show about all this. I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but what are your thoughts on that? Because somebody pulled that out. They said that it was a freshwater octopus, and it had uh, on the one in the Snazavatnet uh, lake. The person was very adamant that they. That the tentacles on this thing, Barton, uh, had little hooks on it, little uh, teeth almost, like like uh, they had the the rigidity and feeling of teeth. Her and her husband and her uh, husband's uh, sister <clears throat> were very uh, terrified. They pulled it out, and and it started to hook itself on, along the side of the boat. And I'm not going to get into it today, but but they they had a harrowing experience with this thing. They had to beat it off of the boat and get it away. And, and it was it was an octopus type uh, creature. I mean, you know. And then of course I got a, you know. What, what, do you ever hear anything like that over there in, in the Ohio River? Sure. When you uh, when you read the aquatic anomaly section of Mystery Kentucky, you'll find an, an account similar to that that happened in uh, Northern Kentucky back in the 1950s. This thing shambled up out of the river. I can't remember which river it was right off the top of my head. Like I said, it's been 15 years since I wrote that book, but it. It shambled up out of the river and was walking along the bank, and it had like a lopsided chest. It was a, some type of octopus creature. No one ever really identified it, which is the case of 100% of the time of these things that people see. But, yeah, there's things in that river, Josh, that make me uh, sure that I don't want to go in there no more. I, don't let my, I never let my kids swim in that Ohio River either or the green. Because I already, I knew that it was stuff in there that could 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 kill them, so I never let them do that. And I, another thing, I never told them that monsters wasn't real. You know, when you're kids, your your parents always tell you when you're scared. You know, yeah, monsters, uh, monsters aren't, real. aren't real. Monsters don't exist. Well, let me tell you something. They lied. Yeah, uh, they didn't yeah, lie they on purpose. They definitely exist. Maybe they, they didn't lie on purpose. The yeah, they thought they were telling you the truth. That's what my mom and dad said before 1975 when we moved into Mallridge Road. But after 11 months there, they never told us that again. And I've never told my children that monsters don't exist because I know that they do. I have a theory. <clears throat> I have a theory about these. And I'm sorry, folks, about my voice. I'm recovering from COVID. So I'm still <clears throat> a little bit raspy. 
But uh, you want, I have a theory about these these freshwater octopus, and I was talking to Ryan about this one day when we were getting ready to, to try to do that, get the show put together. One of the things that I I think and I believe is that they li- they're so smart. The arthrocephalopods, their cephalopods are very intelligent, super super smart right. creatures, rival our own almost, intelligence, almost alien intelligence, alien, and they don't have any genetic. Uh, they're not related to anything else on Earth. They're their own stuff, you know, and so there, there is so many stories I've gotten about. I could do a whole, I'm going to do a whole show just about that. One of the theories I have, though, Barton, is that they are very much like Dogman, Bigfoot, any anything else. They can remain hidden. That they do live in freshwater. I do believe that, and I think that it's very rare that they get caught because they're so intelligent and they're smart and they stay hidden. And I do believe that they that there are species that live in lakes and rivers, and I think that they that is I really believe that because I just gotten too many stories about them, and I think that one of the things um, is that they they're able to hide even easier because it's in the water. The aquatic creatures, like me and Scott had talked about, they hide easier than than these ones that live on land, unless. There is like a, like we talked about the metaphysical aspect of these things, or they're coming out of a cave and they're going back into the cave. They come out of the cave, they go back in. That that is one way for them to hide, especially in Kentucky. It's just nothing but caves, and it would be it, you could speculate all day about what's going on. But I, I interviewed caves and, rivers. caves and rivers here, Josh. That's what we have most of, and, and, and I believe that those rivers run in and out of those caves too. I sure. believe there's caves yeah, underneath I'll- them and, and the water where they can hide. I, I, I talked to somebody who actually 100% believes in these uh, crystal—they call them crystal caves. I don't know if you know about that. Um, yeah. In Kentucky, yeah. And there's a spider that lives in there, and that it bites people, turns them into a rake-type creature. And I, I had somebody telling me up in, West, up in Virginia, um, Indiana, that whole area— uh, and and they were telling me that, that that there was a story they got about a, a faith healer. Uh, me and Johnny had talked about that. Um, that's one thing that he were talking about. They call them uh, witches. What do they call them? Uh, there's a, there's a name for them. Uh, not mountain witches. Uh, granny witches. And and we were we, me and Johnny had talked about that at length. It was these granny witches that would heal. You know. And in the Appalachians, big time, they're they're real they're real well known, um, and they would heal people, but they could also do all kinds of stuff, you know. And and there there was a faith healer who was the son of a granny witch. He was the seventh son, okay, which is weird. I don't know if that really means anything. the The story I was told by these people was that he was the seventh son of a seventh son. And I'm not trying to get all Iron Maiden here because that is actually an Iron Maiden album. But there's a there's a, a, a there's a story behind that though, you know, and 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 of course, if anybody's ever heard Bruce Dickinson belt out Seventh Son of a Seventh Son," it's pretty epic. But that that that's the story that it was the Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Uh, last year, we were working at an apartment complex doing a fire watch, and I got to know some Roma. You know, there was a whole bunch of them, and they were gypsies. And I talked to one of their leaders. They have like a leader, you know, he kind of he's like one of the patrons or whatever. Uh, and so me and him were talking, we got to talk and I got to know him and I asked him about the, the seventh son of a seventh son. And he's, they're, they're very, uh, they believe in that. And he said, Oh, that, that, that person has a healing power. They can see ghosts. They can do all these things. He was telling me all this stuff. 
me, me and him, he opened up to me, you know, and he, you know, we started talking and I said, I was wondering about that because this, at that, around that same time or a little bit before that, I had gotten a story from somebody who was telling me that there was a faith healer. He was born blind, but he could see through the third eye, according to them, and that he, he was a faith healer born of the, of a seventh son, 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 and his mother was a granny witch. And, and it was something that I had talked to Johnny about was these granny witches. Um, and, and, and that they had these powers, they could see these things. This guy supposedly, uh, took on a person who was possessed, turning into a dog man, which like to me would be like a werewolf if it's a person doing it. Um, and he, he cast out the spirit. Um, he took, this is going to sound weird. He took specimens from people's abdomens and these little creatures that he would take and he would put them in jars. And according to his ne- his great nephew who gave me this story, and this guy has no, he doesn't want to be known. He doesn't have any kind of dog in the fight. Like you said, he has no reason to lie to me. He said that these, these little jars he saw when he was a kid, he said they looked like uh, a cross between an octopus and a spider. And that they were purple, and that he they would they, they were always different looking though they would resemble the, you know but they were like a they were all different. But he said that that they were like little uh, they had no eyes you know you couldn't see any mouth or anything but they were just like a weird little creature. And he would pull them off of these people who were being turned into these uh, monsters. Like he would take them out of them, and then they would go back to normal. And one of the things that they pointed out was that these people that were bitten by this spider, it would drive them crazy, and then they would become like a rake type creature, I guess a, a or what would you call it a a, a crawler, or whatever you want to call it. The the uh, people say the rake is a fictitious thing, a creepy possible. They say that because of the name, but it's still the same thing. It's like a crawler or a wendigo, or whatever. But they would become. These creatures, and I know that in that area of the LBL, I've I've only gotten two reports out of the LBL of of rake type creatures, and it came on the one of them came on the heels of our our or or I guess you want to call it the ordeal <laughs> with the LBL that we did when you were coming on the show and everybody was talking about the LBL the LBL. Um, somebody yeah. messaged me and he said, "Hey, uh, he said uh, I've never seen a dogman or Bigfoot in that area." I've been out there multiple times. He's from Indiana, but he'll go down there to go camping. Um, told me that he's seen a rake-looking creature crawling around a tree, um, and I referred him to a couple of different episodes. He listened, and he got back with me and said that's very similar to what you know you were describing. So he saw one there. So they do exist there, and they run around. But with the cave system there, it, it would make sense that there would be more of these things, um, right? These rake type creatures. Have you heard of anything like that? Well, I think I have one uh, one report of something like that. But I'm telling you, Josh, and in the land between the lakes, it's a ninety. It's a ninety mile island, and there's no telling what's what's on there. Right? It's just uh, nothing but wilderness and. It's beautiful during the daytime, but when when night falls, it's a whole different world, man. It's so creepy, and and you just get the feelings that you know darkness has crept into that land and settled in there, dug its roots real deep in there, and it'll never go away, right? Especially given the history of LBL, how they uh, 
they took the land from from the people that lived there using them as a domain and uh, made them move out and flooded it, right? Flooded all their cemeteries and flooded their towns. And so there's double uh, feelings of uh, animosity and uh, just bitterness, right, that's, that's permeated the LBO area. And if you're just a visitor there and don't know anything about it, you never know. You know, if you leave before dark, you just think you've uh, been to a beautiful place, one of the most beautiful places in Kentucky as far as uh, scenery. And, you know, they got all kinds of really pretty stuff there. And but if you stay <laughs> down there overnight for a couple of nights, you'll get the feeling of the true LBL. And it's, uh, it's, it's dark. It's a dark place. You know, Nick Valente went down there to kind of scope it out, you know, because he's going to be doing some kind of expedition or whatever, or he's going to go and check it out, you know, whatever. So he went down there. How many tick bikes did he get? How many tick bikes did he get off of? Oh, I, I, don't, I didn't ask. I mean, we, we just kind of talked about it in passing, and he went down there with D.A. Roberts. And Roberts is, he's a fiction writer, but let me tell you about D.A. He's a good guy, and he writes books uh, based on, like, locations and places that have actual cryptid sightings people have so he, he he takes that and he'll write a fiction book or whatever but he took da out there and i guess da was really scared didn't want to get out you know um but valente said when when he got out at daytime like you said it was it wasn't that bad but at night he said he got out and he said it was like holy crap he goes it, it was scary he goes it was scary and one of the things he said and you know Nick, and he said that that it would there was no uh, crickets, there was no sound, like there were no animals, right. there was no wildlife at all. He said it was just like dead, and he said that scared the crap out of him. And he said it just, he's like it was like there was nothing out there. It just and it just when when it got dark, it was just absolute scary, you know. Just you know, and one of the things I can tell, you, I can relate. There's an area out in, in between my hometown. Uh, in this one area, and I took a, a guy, a friend of mine named Art Byers. He's a big supporter of the show, and I've known Art for a good, good while. He's a nice guy. He moved down here to Austin. So I took him and his wife out last summer uh, with Anthony, and we drove him around, and we showed him all these different areas that we had talked about near the Hoxie Bridge, Granger Lake, all these different places. And him and his wife were like, oh, it's just so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And I'm like, it is beautiful. But if you come back at night, it's just like a different world. I mean, everything is just scary, and, and it's just a nightmare-looking place. And when the moon is out, and you can just kind of see that whole area just terrifies you. And then the area near the Hoxie Bridge, um, it gets really scary at night. People have seen so many weird things out there, um, just all kinds of phenomena, weird phenomena. And so, you know, that's how devil's backbone is too. When you take the drive in the daytime, you're like, Oh, it's so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. You could see all these Royal Canyons, these valleys, and it's just so pretty. It looks like, uh, just like you're in another world. And then at night it gets really cold out there. Like even in the summertime, you know, like it might be hot as heck, you know, in, in town, you go out there, out there at the backbone and, and it'll be 10 degrees cooler. You know, it might be, you know, 100 degrees during the day. It's 77 at night. You know, it's a, it's a whole nother world. And, and, then, and then you go out there in the fall 
it gets absolutely cold, you know, and you're, you're thinking this is Texas, you know, and it is cold. You know, it's like 52 degrees out there in the fall and you're going like, it's, it's, it was 80 degrees in the daytime, 52 at night. And you're going like, this is crazy. Um, but you know, you go out there into those valleys and, and there's some of those areas that you couldn't pay me to go out there at night. And it, it just so scary, uh, going through there and walking through there and you feel like a thousand things are watching you. And I know what you're saying. And that's what Valente was saying about going out to the LBL. He said it was just absolutely scary. It was, uh, terrifying at night, you know, he, and he's not a scary guy. Like, Oh, I'm scared. I'm, you know, Hey Scoob. He's not one of those. He's like you, he's y'all are real men. You're not scared. You know, that's one thing I admire about all y'all that you go out there, you, you go out, you know, like, like Lyle, he goes out to the Falk, you know, looking for that, you know, the swamp. I wouldn't want to do all that crap, you know? Um, so, but, but so imagine LBL and, and how DA was, uh, so freaked out that he didn't really even want to get, get out, out of the, the car, vehicle. right? Yeah. So, so last time Johnny and I were down there, this is how we are. I had Johnny, all I had was nightmare and a stick. I had Johnny take me to a place called Racetrack Hollow, which is one of the most active dog man areas down there. And him and Elijah actually got ran out of there by a dog man. <laughs> and so I had him take me down that road. It was a good long road, and we got to a spot, I don't know, about a quarter mile down the road where it was, uh, it had a lot of uh, ruts and muddy holes where we couldn't go any further. So we got out of the car with our flashlight, and we walked down that road. And this was 2 a.m. in the morning. We walked down that road and walked and walked and walked forever. You know, and I'm, I'm playing uh, uh, YouTube videos of the, the things that are supposed to make these things come out. And, and answering, and we're we're down there, standing in the middle of nowhere, a half a mile away from the car, at 2 a.m., pitch black, and we're out there trying to get some of these one of these things to come and uh, and show itself, right? So that's a that's a difference between between people. Some people can do that, some people can't, Josh. But Johnny was one of the ones like me that was completely fearless when it comes to that stuff, and he was. You know, he was hoping, just like me, just hoping that we would have one of them come out. And I was going to, and then there's no network involved. I've been been there three times and no networks involved. So no one can say that I'm trying to do this or put on a character for a TV show, which is just ridiculous. I'm just me. But uh, we was actually out there at 2 a.m. in the morning in the places that people like D.A. Roberts would never dream of going and trying to get one of these things to come out so I could kill it. Yeah. Well, Roberts is an author and he's not really the kind of guy, but, and Valente though is not a, a scaredy guy, but he, he said it was, he got out and he went out and walked around and stuff, but he said that it was just, it was weird. There was no, is that common there? Is there's no sounds at times? No, nothing? no, not mm, common at all. The only that's time weird. that's common and it's a sure sign of, one of these creatures that are in the area because mm. uh, when the creature comes in there, so I've never seen a dog man. I can't attest that it happens when, you, when the dog man is around. I can, however, assure you that when the Bigfoot creatures come around, every creature in that forest will shut up and remain silent. Whereas the tree frogs or the crickets, nothing makes a sound. It's like they don't want to be noticed by these things, right? So they don't say anything. And my dad always told me he was really, really smart. He said, son, if you, you know, in the woods, 
you know, I learned a lot from my dad. He said, in the woods and uh, like at night when you're when we're up here at the house, he says, you know, everybody needs a good guard dog. But if you don't have one, you have the crickets and the tree frogs, okay? So if you're laying there going to sleep and you hear those crickets chirping, that means everything is fine. But if you hear them, ever hear them stop, that means something is in the area. So you need to be uh, hyper alert because that's a warning sign that something is 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 around there. You know, I mean, he was really smart and taught me a lot. And and that the the Spotsville Monster uh, episode was the only time in my life that I saw my dad, uh, and he didn't know what to do. He had no clue what was what was happening. Right. And uh, like I told you earlier, his his idea to uh, keep from keep one of the kids, one of those kids, from getting uh, kidnapped by one of these creatures, because it was so big and powerful looking, right? And we just had those little doors, and he knew that it could come through that door if it really wanted to, and he didn't want to take a chance of it doing that and uh, running away with one of his kids and never seeing the kids again. He didn't think he could live like that, so he brought us all in. Uh, at the kitchen table was me and my, my older brother, my older sister, and my younger brother. And he sat us down and, and was telling us what was going on. And there was a five-gallon bucket next to the door and a mop. And he said, you know, uh, me and your mom's been talking. And if one of those things ever decide to come in through one of these doors, I'm going to stick that mop in the kerosene and light it. And if I can't scare it away with fire... I'm just going to knock the, the bucket of kerosene over and drop the mop in it, and we'll all die together, as opposed to uh, losing one of your your brothers or sisters to one of these things and having to live the rest of your life wondering what happened to them. And it, you know, so and we all we talked it over, and it was it was really sobering, right? That my dad was talking about killing his whole family rather than losing one of us to that creature, the Spotsville monster. So that's how serious it was. And when we left that place, we finally got let the creatures run us off. It was just a perfect place for us. We loved it there, but the creatures ran us off. And my mom and dad, uh, we moved to Cardin, Kentucky, and my mom and dad didn't last three months and before they were divorced. So when the family was split up, uh, split asunder forever and never, never was the same after that. So I kind of have that against the Spotsville monster too, but I will not ever go hunting a Bigfoot, Josh. I promise you that, you know, the dog men don't scare me as much. And especially after hearing Roger's story, I, I think that I might be able to make a difference on that, but the Bigfoot are something totally different. I don't want to mess with those. I can tell you this, that, that, uh, your experience was with a with a Bigfoot, and mine was with a dog. Well, people say dog man, but I don't like that term. I don't know what the heck I saw. I if you ask my, my like if you ask my my deceased Jehovah, she would say, "Mijo, it was a hombre lobo or the cadejo." <laughs> She's not. She didn't yeah, call it wolf, dog man, wolf man. You know, it, they don't. They don't. There's no. There's no dog man. I don't know what that is. But the thing that I saw to this day probably was the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. Um, I, 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 the, the, the monster creatures that, that, that people see now, the ones that you, the one that you saw, if you took mine and you compared it with Rogers, there's no comparison. He said that they weren't big. They were kind of lanky. 
you know, just weird looking kind of creature, you know, and I'm thinking that ain't nothing like what I saw. What I saw had a big old snout. And I'll tell you right now, Charlie Perez, who did our action figures, he sculpted it almost, I don't say nothing's perfect, but it was pretty darn close. My wife can tell you this. I think she might have already told you this, Barton. We were talking, me, her, you, and Letitia. That's Barton's wife. Letitia is a really sweet person. But we were all talking. And and, and when, when Charlie laid that, I hadn't seen it like before that. He laid it out right there when I was at Spinner's at my buddy's uh, restaurant. And I looked at it, and I go, oh, my gosh. And I f- almost fell back out of my chair. My wife grabbed my arm. She's like, are you okay? Barton, I got dizzy. I, I I got dizzy. I was just like, oh my god! I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. I'm sitting there looking at the thing that I saw, and every time I come into my office, I look at that thing and I I see it. I mean, that's it right there. It is right there in front of me, and it is the scariest thing. And it didn't sound anything like Rogers. I mean, nothing like Rogers. Very 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 little. You know, was the same. Yeah. And then when you when you go well, to Rogers, like, uh, didn't make probably any sound like. Right? Other than a uh, uh, half-pitched screaming when he got shot. Yeah, uh, it, it's weird. I mean, if, if you if you take the contrast, like what Ryan saw, which a lot of people see, and then in his area where he lives up there in Arizona, there's a lot of people that see these things. There is a, uh, like I said, I just got one not too long ago from the guy that had the infrasound that happened here in Austin or outside of Austin. But that hyena-looking creature don't look nothing like what the Ryan's, you know, description is nothing like mine. And it's and then you take Rogers and it's nothing like Rogers and then, you know your story of the of the Spotsville monster is totally different than mine too. I mean, you know you have this experience with Bigfoot where I, I don't really have when people say oh there's Bigfoot in that area blah 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 blah. I I I don't mess with them. I don't want to mess with them. I don't want to be around them. I'm not out looking. I'm not out looking for them. But for me, Dogman is still the most terrifying thing because I saw that and I saw it. It just was a seven and a half foot tall hulking monster that just looked like a a bodybuilder angry that was just crossbred with a wolf. I mean, I just don't know how to just, I can't even tell you it's a horrific, horrific thing. And when I was on DER and I told the story about, you know, having nightmares for years, I did. I, I mean, I bet I had nightmares about that thing uh, shoot, man. I mean, it, it went on and on. I mean, for, for 15, 20 years, I just couldn't get it out of my head. It was just there. It was always there. And I'd have these, uh, nightmares, you know, and, and I don't know, you know, I can't put my, my, I can't wrap my mind around what I saw to this day. The guy I saw it with, he's a preacher now in my hometown. He's got his own congregation and he's pretty convinced that it was something evil, demonic, you know, um, at the time, though, we thought it was just physical, you know, but his mom was, uh, she's deceased now, too, but she always believed that it was a demon, it was a, it was a diablo, you know, she would say. But, you know, I, I can't put my finger on it. I don't know what it was. And I can't even tell you, you know, the the, the level of terror that it instilled in me. Um, and that's what made me, it was so heinous about when I saw it again over there at the tower, and I knew that that was not it. It was something mimicking that that knew that that was my fear. You know, and it played on my fear, which really disturbed me, you know, and, and, but it was just it, that, that thing will always be in the back of my mind, no matter where I go, what I do. I mean, the other day I was leaving the office and it was, it was late and it meant, I, th- I think my, aunt, my, my nephew happened, he was with me, you know, and we were taking out the trash. And when I turned and looked at the trash can, 
it's really dark back there. They put a light back there, but there's like a, a big tree. And and it just kind of hangs out over the the trash can, and you're going, oh, what? The, and the, my first reaction was like, oh god, it's a you know. And then I look, and I'm like, oh, it's just the branches, and it's sprawling out very creepily. Okay, they need to trim that because it looked like a dang dog man or werewolf hanging out over the trash can, you know? Because you got that in your head, it's so scary. And I can only imagine when you were a child having to go through that, and your dad having to tell you, look, we may have to, you know, die. Because there's creatures coming in, and, and and if they come in the house, we're screwed, and the and the, the the police aren't helping you. So you had that in your mind, just like I had as a 15 year old kid. You know, I had only been 15 for a few months. I was even oh, three months or something. I wasn't. I was barely 15. You know, so you know, I was I was going on. Uh, I was 15. You know, just going along my uh, about my business. You know, and I, then this thing appeared. You know, and. It, it was just the most terrifying thing. I just never, you know, I, I, I got put in a uh, treatment center because I ended up uh, getting into a fight at school. So then I got put into a facility for wayward kids, you know, and they're like, hey, well, you got anger problems and you've been drinking. So we're going to put you in this. When you get out of here, you're going to go to a treatment center. So when they started asking me, what was I afraid of? You know, family problems, all these kids in this little circle or whatever, crying about all their whatever. I had a miserable home life. I said, I don't give a crap about none of that. I, what I'm scared of is a werewolf. And they're like, what? <laughs> and I was like 16 years old and I told the, the, the people that, the whole story. And then the, the, the therapist takes me to the side and she's like, you know, that wasn't a very good idea to say that. And I'm like, why? Because you think I'm lying? You really think I'm lying? She told my parents, oh, he's got a vivid imagination and, you know, he's got all these uh, anger issues and it's manifesting itself as him uh, believing he saw that. So my mother... She took up for me and she said, let me tell you something. My home, our hometown is full of stories of these things. And his best friend saw it with him. And, and she's like, well, people can hallucinate, you know, with more than, you know, I hated that woman so bad. And I was just like, you know, these people are so full of crap. You know, if you really knew what I had seen, and there were so many people that had seen these things too, not just me. And so I knew I wasn't crazy. I never doubted like, oh, I'm crazy because people were telling me I was I don't give a crap what those therapists and, and psychiatrists said. Right. And how common is a hallucination of any type among a normal average person? I've never had one. Yeah, me neither. You know, they're not common. You have to have some kind of uh, mental affliction to, to start seeing stuff that's not there. I've never, ever had a hallucination. And, you know, but it's not a common thing that, that a normal person hallucinates anything. And speaking of bad dreams, you said that thing made you have nightmares for years. I was talking to Roger, and Roger started, I hope you don't mind me saying this uh, to everyone, but I'm sure he wouldn't, but he's been having some recurring dreams of that creature standing over his bed holding a silver cross in its left hand. Well, I don't know if anybody out there you might can interpret that, but it's really starting to uh, affect him, and he said he woke up the other night. His wife told him that he said right up in bed and said, why are you here? Why are you here? And uh, he don't have any memory of that at all. So, Well, Roger, it might, it know, might have uh, been, and not to make light of it, but in all seriousness, it might have been trying to get him to renew his, his uh, car's warranty. Um, <laughs> I'm just messing around. That's, that's what I thought. <laughs> my like, conclusion. It's like, I'm here for your <laughs> warranty. Have you tried to renew? Yeah. 
<laughs> but uh, no, you get extended warranty. You, Roger, and I'm gonna let you know that your car's warranty is just about expired. <laughs> and the Silver Cross no. was just there to hit him if he doesn't go along with it. They're they're now getting more aggressive. Yeah. They're sending werewolves to hit you with crosses. No, Roger, if, 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 if Roger, tell Roger to reach out to me because I can explain it to him. I mean, it's very, what what happened to me. Um, one of the things that I yeah, kept, you should do show with him, and, and you should, I think I mean I know all your listeners are are interested, except for one. Maybe two, but I know the rest of them. Johnny and I were going to do an update with Roger. Johnny and Roger's just so devastated by my losing job. I know. He's really, really taking it hard and thinking it's his fault, and you know, and all this stuff. But uh, I know your 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 listeners would like to like to hear from Roger, and we were planning on doing an update, and now. Everything is uh, topsy turvy, uh, turned upside down since Johnny died. And but Roger and me and Mark Maycheck and uh, Crypto Outlaw and Elijah are all going to meet Roger down at LBL as soon as the harvest is done, and we're going to hang out and do a little filming down there. And so hopefully you guys can see that on YouTube. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I don't have any heart to be doing any uh, uh, network cable network shows anymore really since Johnny passed and I told Elijah this yesterday you know I just don't have the heart to do it uh, but Elijah's still going to do it uh, of course Roger's not uh, and the, the people that you know that we were I, this has been a part of my life way too big a part of my life for a year now and I spent way too much time and effort trying to get this show off the, off the ground and put some good content in there right because I know that since I've done this before, the more content that I could put in the show would mean the less the network would have to do. And, you know, because you don't know what they're going to do. Like when I was on Monsters and Mysteries, uh, they they cut out the, the best witnesses that witness that I had, and it was fresh within a week. And it had a really, really uh, bizarre, intriguing story. And they cut his testimony out to put in a... Uh, uh, scientific uh, analysis of a trail cam picture of a damn blackbird landing in a field, right? So you never know what the network's going to do. And I, and I chided the the Monster Quest uh, guy, the producer. You know, I finally yeah, I got in touch with him on Facebook years later, and I was talking to him about his crew and all that. And I'm like, why in the world did you did y'all do that? And I had the one of the best Bigfoot witnesses that I'd ever come across. And you just edit him out to put a, put the analysis of the crow landing in the field. It was like a sports perspective. It was so ridiculous. Anybody with any common sense uh, could look at that picture and tell immediately what it was. But no, they had to spend seven or eight minutes uh, doing a scientific analysis of that. So you never know what the network's going to do. But as far as the network goes, I'm out. I'm not doing it. Uh, I've got a lot of reasons. And I don't want to get into them all here, I and mean, it don't have to all have to do with uh, the same thing that different people that I asked that, uh, not to be associated with because I've been uh, had bad dealings with them before in the past. I'm not going to name any names, but uh, I found out they were all involved in it, and so and then Johnny died, and, and, and you know it's just so I, I, I back out of that. But we are going to do some stuff, and hopefully uh, I have a couple YouTube videos this fall. One of them featuring Roger. We're gonna, he's coming back to the LBL, and we're going to 
do some stuff down there. So people can look forward to that. But uh, Roger, of course, is not going to be on the network documentary, and neither am I. Hopefully, Elijah will. And I know he'll do a great job, but I just I don't have any heart for it anymore. Yeah. Really, Josh. Well, I think one of the things, though, that should happen, though, is we, we still should do, like, our own documentary. We should try to put it together at some point Let's and try to it. make it happen. <clears throat> My friend Trey Felton has uh, got camera equipment, things like that. Like I said, he's he's pretty wealthy, but he and he's the guy, he's the guy, yeah. just so you know, the, the barbecue that I sent you, that was from his place. Yeah. <clears throat> that was from Trey Felton's oh, joint. Oh, it's really good. He's a good guy, and he's Ooh. in the Bigfoot. He's got the whole... Let's try to do that, Josh. Let's try to get it going. Yeah, and we can make our own. And, and a part of, right. You can be a part of this uh, when Roger comes back to the LBL after the harvest season, which should only be two or three weeks. Harvest should be done. And maybe four. And we could start right there. I mean, you know, it would be a great start. Just yeah, something to think about. I had, ta- I had talked to Lyle and Ken, you know, and, and of course Lyle said that in, the, in after after October everything slows down oh, again. Lyle. I would so love to get Lyle and Ken's asses yeah. up here. To uh, help we can you. do it. We'll get them down there. The thing that. is, I mean, I told them, I said, we should that go down epic, there. And, that'd, be, that'd be awesome. I mean, you know, and we, and we got things we got to, we got to do, you know I mean? We got to get out there. We got to go get it done. And I think that that would be, uh, Lyle and Ken and me have already talked about this. And, and, and I told you, you know, we're probably, uh, about 70, 80% sure that we can eventually get it done. We just got to, you know, like we said, we got somebody like Trey Felton who can help, and and, and people are going to get to know him because that guy is really, really smart. He's a very laid back guy, but he's he's uh, one of those people who know he knows how to make money. And he's got good friends, and everybody likes him. You know, he's very well known in Central Texas. His family is very well known. They're very, you know, uh, they've been around for a long time. He's been looking for Bigfoot out there at Apache Pass, and he's seen the ghosts out there and everything. Um, you know, there's some scary, scary stuff that he's been out there. He's, you know, and I, and I, and I know too, and I wouldn't go out there at night. I can tell you that, but he would be excellent well, to, to, to bring on board. Do what? You tell Lyle and Ken that I won't let anything happen to him. I will protect them. Are you going to protect Don't me worry. too, Barton? Cause I'm, 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 I'm scared. Darn right. I'll protect you, Josh. <laughs> I got the back brother. I don't need Nothing's nobody to protect me. I'm I, I don't need any protection. Nothing. I don't even need a gun. I just, just, I'm just going to go out there myself. I don't need nothing. I'm going to give them that look that you give on the <laughs> plan. show. People, people, look, people are always talking about that. Oh, so mean looking. How's a ghost? I don't mess with this guy. You know, I'm a fighter. Nothing, I'm a fighter. I've always been a fighter, night, Barton. You know that. I'm a fighter. Yeah. I just, I, you know, oh, yeah. I train yeah. fighters. That's what I do. People always want to talk smack. And I'm like, if you think you got he's, the sand, hard, you know. Yeah, he's looking all hard on that. Yeah, you know, I like, wasn't dang. even trying to. I was aggravated. You know why I was aggravated? <laughs> I, I told you what happened. It made me mad because. And poor Michael, he's a great guy. I can't say enough about Travel Channel, Michael Sheen, and the good people. But when they told me to go back and change, I was like, "What?" I was so mad. But you know, weird stuff happened in the studio when we were talking. There was weird stuff that happened. There was three claps that are, are knocks that went on. And next thing you know, I turn around, the makeup girl, she's out of there. Like she bailed. Like she, I turn around and, and the camera guy's like, let's get this done. And he's, they're all kind of feeling weird. You know, they heard that noise. And the guy from London was like, what was that? You know, again, because we, we had had it, it, it had happened, you know, when I was doing the pre-interview and I was like, what are, what in the heck is going on? You know, the supernatural is not nothing to mess around with. I can be strong as an ox. Right. I mean, Barton, you've seen me. I've sent you videos of, of me working out. You've seen what I do. 
Yeah, dude. And it's no joke. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not joking. People think I'm joking around, dude. I will knock you out. I'm not talking about you, Barton, but the person. I will literally break your skull open with a punch. I'm not kidding. You think yeah. I'm joking? They think I'm they, they think I'm kidding, or I'm just talking bragging. What I'm not. But I, I have no illusions that I could fight a Bigfoot or a dog man. They'll tear my arms off. I don't I don't even want to face these things. I'll protect you from the dog man. Don't worry. But the Bigfoot, if the Bigfoot shows up, we're all running. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got them little runty. To get them little runty dog, man, I can fight those little yeah. dudes. I'll kick there them. You know, you know. Even you know, nothing is going to walk through nightmare. Yeah, nothing. that's a pretty heavy duty weapon. If people know what that is. It's a sword. You know. yeah. yeah, just one blow with nightmare. It's a killing blow. You could decapitate no just about anything with that thing. Be careful with that thing because I don't want you dropping it on your toe or something there, Barton. Because that thing looks <laughs> it'll chop your half your foot. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that thing deadly. Really, deadly. Yeah, definitely. Your safety first when you mess with swords. And oh, absolutely. I used to play you around. Really don't, you know, I had a katana. Don't around. You don't, want, you don't want anybody standing too close to you mm -hmm. or walking no, close no. to you, you know. So, and, and I told everybody when I was down there last time, I said, if I draw a nightmare out of its scabbard, I want everybody to back up away from me at least 10 feet. So if one of these saints comes out, I'm not going to accidentally... Uh, hit one of you guys, so you back up ten feet. Do do, do you but think that if we went out there, that we we might actually be attacked? I mean, do you do you think that? Well, there's a possibility. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, out. I'm, I'm done. I'm not going. I'm just kidding. I'm messing with you. Bart. I'm messing with you. So I think my face protects me, and honestly, I I think these things run away from me. And uh, you, you you do. You're a man of faith. Yeah. I'll tell you what, th that's what we need to do. We need to take a bunch of people out there and, 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 and we can make a documentary. I think we need to do that. I think we need to go out there and do it. I think we need to go to Bray Road. I, I really do. There's just nothing yeah. else. Go out there and, you know, t talk to Linda, you know, get get her yeah, perspective and so meet her up road. there. It would be an I, awesome thing to do. To yeah. And she didn't text me back on my last text, Josh. And uh, it was a text that I told her that we just lost Johnny. And that makes me uh, worry about her, right? Because I know she would have texted me back on that. So, mm -hmm. well, you got the permission from her to do the action figure, and that's a big thing because we wanted yeah. to do one of her. Yeah. And but, but I needed permission. Everybody's like, "Why didn't you do this person? Why didn't you do that person?" Because you have to have permission. You can't just go out and go, "Oh, I made an action figure of you. What's up?" You know, th th some people don't want that. Yeah. You know, well, Lita thought it was a great idea. And yeah, she was so flattered that you know her name was. Involved I love Linda. She's in a good it. person. You know, I was told I what an evil, bad person she was by. Vic, you know, by VC, you know, a oh long time ago. And, and, and you yeah, know, but he I told me everybody was bad. He didn't like yeah. anybody. He told me every, every, he had, he had, he had nobody, he gets along with nobody. So that's why every, everything was all. So when Voldemort was giving me his rundown of his list of people he didn't like, I mean, it was like a, a list as long as a Texas tall tale. I was going like, geez, do you have any friends at all? <laughs> do you have any friends in this business? Because aligning yourself with somebody like that, basically just, just, just you know, you don't got any friends. I can't tell you enough though about about Ken because Ken Gerhardt opened doors for me. He was he's he's been a a really special he's guy. A nice guy he's a great guy and and he opened a lot of doors for me and he was like, you know, we we did the show together and then we talked and and uh he you know, he was one of the first people I corresponded with years ago on Facebook. I just said, "Hey, I like your book. Right. I just finished reading one of your books. I liked it." And we talked a little bit, you know, and he was so friendly. He answered me, you know. I hadn't reached out to anybody else. That was several years ago when he actually, and then, and now, and then, uh, you were very friendly and I reached out to you and, and Linda was friendly. 
but there's some people, you know, you, you try to talk to them like, nah, you know, like, like, who are you? You know, and I'm not going to mention any names. You probably know who I'm talking about, but they're on TV and stuff. And they act like they're somebody special. I'm like, dude, you're nobody important. Okay. You're nobody better than I am. You know, right. don't, don't, don't come at yeah, me. They're, they're legends in their own minds. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. And, and but, so. You know, I had a, I had a buddy of mine that used to give Ken a hard time because, you know, uh, I don't know. He was, uh, he was real, real into my work, but he, he didn't think Ken was the real deal. And he kept harassing Ken. And I told him, I said, look, I don't want to see you saying another bad word about Ken. Ken's a nice guy. You know, uh, yeah, he's trying to make a living, but you can't, nobody can hold that against anyone. Everyone's trying to make a living unless you're rich. So don't ever say another word about bad word about Ken. And he, hey, he has it since and he never will. Well, the, the dogman whisperer had kind of got into it with Ken and, and was trying to mess with them and saying things about authors and how they didn't find this and do that and do this. And I'm like, neither of you. Um, you, you know, as far as we know, you ain't found nothing either. You know, right? They keep, they keep saying all these four horsemen of the of the Bigfoot research: uh, Renee DeHendon, John Green, uh, Igor Butsev, and uh, you know people like that. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, these guys are great. They wrote really good books. I really enjoyed their books. But what did they ever really accomplish? Nothing. Nothing in 60 years. You know, Peter Burns been at it for 60 years. He's accomplished nothing. He's found nothing. Uh, Peter Green found nothing. You know, no one has ever found anything uh, to be of, of any value as far as uh, scientifically speaking, right? No one. So to me, no one is better than the other. Yeah. You know, these are just guys that were doing it, you know, in back in the 50s and 60s. So it's like John Keel. John Keel loved his books. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have said, Bart, you're the new John Keel. And it really flatters me because he was a great author, but I'm not the new John Keel. I'm the old Bart Nunley, the same Bart Nunley yeah. I've always been. Well, let and me tell you something, John though. Had a lot of different, yeah, he had a lot of different conclusions than I did. Well, your, than your, your do, books so. are well written. Your books are well written. You um, articulate well. You know, you said you, you told me you said that it's easier to write than to speak. I don't I don't agree with that because I'm I'm a, I'm a speaker. I'm not a writer. But I, I read your book and I was just like blown away by how how well it was written. Well, thanks, brother. So if you can speak, you can write. So just write down what you say, and then you can go back to the sentence and say, well, how do I make this look a little more professional? Maybe I use this word here instead of that one. You know, that's that's how I do everything that I that I write doesn't come out perfectly the first time. You know, a lot of it does, but some of it doesn't. And some of it, sometimes I'll labor for two or three days over one sentence. You know what? You know, this is, doesn't sound right. This doesn't sound professional enough, you know. And so that's writing. But, you know, if you can speak, you can write. It takes a lot to, to be an author, though. You, you, people don't give you guys credit enough. And, and whenever we did the action figure thing, people were like, well, you know, why did you choose these people? Why'd you choose that person? And there was all this criticism and I told everybody to just stick it because I don't give a crap. But the, the bottom line is, you know, I chose people based on their integrity and their work and what I believe. Uh, yeah. was, I was so flattered when you chose me to do that. Well, Gosh, you I, earned it. And, great. And read bunches of books from lots of different people. And you guys were the ones that I settled on because I thought, you know, uh, these are the guys that, that, that uh, have built this, uh, the, the, you know, when I was coming up, you guys are about 10 years old, not not quite about eight years old, maybe, but when I was younger, 
I started getting into all that. And I was reading different people's books. It was you and Ken, Lyle, Nick. Those are the guys that I read. And so, yeah, obviously I'm going to go with what I, and Linda, you know, and, and so I'm going to go with what I've, I've, I've read and, 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 you know, what I know. And, and so you guys, I reached out to you guys because you're the ones that I was going to take advice from. I wasn't going to take advice from people who had never done anything that impressed me. Of course, I forgot to mention Lon Strickler. I liked his work too, but there's a lot of people out there that, that have done a lot of, um, a lot of work. I like Chad Lewis. I think he's a good uh, author. Um, but th- there are some people out there that, oh, that yeah, you know, Chad actually published my first, very first article. Oh yeah, Chad. Chad Chad's great. I like Chad. I need to get him on. He's a great guy. Yeah, he paid me like seventy five dollars to write a, a little article for one of his. Uh, he's unsung books. for for all the you know. I think he's an unsung uh, guy in this field. They don't get enough credit. I mean, um, but he's right. not he's not out there doing as much as you know whatever. Like like he's just writing. He's a good writer, and people you know have said stupid things. Like any fool can get up here and do a podcast if you can talk. And I've heard people say. Yeah, well, and other podcasters too, and trashing authors and letting other so-called researchers, which anybody can call themselves a dang researcher. You can use Google on your phone. You'll become a researcher, dude. All right. Get out, get out of here. I said, well, 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 yeah, these authors haven't seen anything. They haven't done anything, blah, blah, blah. Bull crap. They blazed the trail for the rest of us. You wouldn't have a podcast or anything to talk about if these people hadn't been out there in the field interviewing people. I mean, it all set the, 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 the groundwork for us podcasters. Yes, I do believe that podcasters are taking over and authors are fading, and, I, and, and I'll tell you why. And it's not something I like. It's not, it's not what I want. I'll tell you why. Because people are lazy, dude. People don't want to read. Um, when you got people who can just get up there on a mic and tell you the stories, you don't need to read. So it's kind of a, a catch-22 with me. I don't want to see the authors go, but this is my niche. But th- the way that I want you guys to be immortalized and remembered is that you guys come on the show you tell your stories and then people go and then read the books, read the books, you know? And then, you know, I thought what better way to immortalize you guys and to have an action figure line that, that shows, you know, Hey, this is who these people are. This is, you know, and it's like a, a sculpture of you, you know, or whatever, you know, it's like, I just feel like that was something that needed to be done for the people that I uh, respect and look up to and have for years. And uh, like I said, and this is it for me. We're going to get out of here. But your book, okay, Mysterious Kentucky is awesome. In Humanoids, tore up my house looking for that book. Tore up my house looking for that book. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. And it was back there. My, bro- my brother found it. It wasn't me. I can't get credit. My brother found it. And he goes, this is the book you're looking for, Humanoids. And I said, no, D, it's called Inhumanoids by Barton Unley. It's a very rare book. And he goes, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. D don't care. He just, and he's like, well, well, Bart, Bart Nunley must be smart guy. He must be very, I was like, I don't know, dude. It's just a very good book. And, and I use it as reference. So let me, you know, whatever. But anyway, yeah, it, it yeah. was just one of those episodes in my life where I was panicking. I was mad. It was like, I was a couple months went by and I, every time it popped in my head, I thought, God, I can't believe I lost that book. And then it resurfaced. So thank yeah. goodness. And then it just fell back. You know what it was? I think one of my dip, I'm not going to say the word dip head, you know, uh, nephews. Right. I think them or one of their little friends had looked at it and then stuck it on the shelf just on top of the other books. Like you're not supposed to stick them back like that. You put it back where you got it. And then it fell backwards, you right. know, and then it went back there and then, you know, behind all the other books, you know, that I had, um, then, then it, you know, then it resurfaced and then, you know, 
and I reached out to you and I was like, you know, I, I, I need to talk to this guy because, you know, he's wrote a book that's just an incredible book. If anybody hasn't read it, you should read it. And this is not a plug. He's not on the show to plug his books. He's, he don't make no money off of that. It's Mysterious Kentucky, but you can know more about Barton Nunley by reading Mysterious Kentucky. And then if you're reading Humanoids, which like we said before, our friend Nick Redfern helped publish that. It's a very, very good book. Go out there and read that. And and Barton, man, we've been talking for hours. And, and But, you know, we do this anyway. <laughs> We're talking yesterday. We do this almost every night. We talk all the time. Yeah, People like, you know. You told Nellie. We were talking the other night, and you told Nellie uh, she was going out. She goes, I'll be in there by in 15 minutes. And I looked at Leticia. <laughs> I just kind of laughed. I said, you think she believes that? No. no. So you can't talk to me for, for 15 minutes. No. I, no one can. I don't know. I'm just, I guess. You, you, you know what? You're a wealth of information. And when me and you get together, we talk like, but you know, I got to say this, you know, I had, when you got off the phone, me and Lyle had said, yeah, well, we're, I'm going to go. And then Lyle had said, I'm going to go. But then we kept talking. So I looked down, me and Lyle talked for like two hours and 40 minutes. And you were involved in about two hours of that conversation, but then you were gone. And then, so then me and Lyle kept going. It was 40 something minutes. And I looked down my phone and I said, oh man, Lyle, I'm sorry. I, I really, we, we, and Lyle's like, yeah, man, I got to go. I got to go. But I could talk to you guys for hours. And then, you know, when I get Valenti on the phone, the other night I was talking to Valenti and looked down, it had been two hours. Said, Good God, dude, I'm talking to these people for a long time. But it's because you guys have so much information and we we have so much in common and we talk about this stuff. You know, this is, you know, we don't just talk about this stuff, but, you know, a lot of it is 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 about this and, you know, get a report and go, what do you think of this? You know, and then it leads into who knows what. You go down a rabbit hole. I mean, it's just, but that's what makes good, good, good podcasting, good radio. Like you said, right. I still agree with you. You know, you, 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 that, that was very good uh, radio that we did, not just because it was my show, but the way it all fell, fell into place, you know, was pretty cool. I mean, you know, I got Jody on there and he told his side and then, then, you know, Johnny and Elijah reached out to me and said, we'd like to tell our side and they told their side and then Roger came on and then Jody came and then you came on and then it just went on and on and on. And it was like, I can't believe we're doing this every week. And then it became like a podcast history, you know? <laughs> But uh, well, folks, I, I if you haven't, is, I think it is. I think it has become a, a part of podcast history because everyone that's heard that podcast has said like uh, things like uh, th that's the greatest podcast I've ever heard. You know, and it was just so so good. You know, I couldn't stop listening to it. And so we were actually out at LBL, me and Terry Littleton and Mark Maycheck and Johnny Henderson and all. And, and I like Mark Johnny a lot, too. He's a good guy. Mark is very... Oh, yeah, he's a good guy. And Johnny and, and Elijah just left, and Terry and his son went out on the boat, and they were fishing uh, in the lake, and they they uh, anchored kind of close to the shore, and there were some people up there, and he, they noticed uh, two of the people left, and there's one guy stayed behind when the other two left. The one that stayed behind put on the uh, Johnny Henderson's uh, uh, first interview with Roger when he, Roger first came out, right? And, <laughs> and he turned it really, really loud, and Terry and his son was sitting there listening to it. And Terry said, "Hey, listen to what they're listening to. That's uh, Johnny. That's Johnny's podcast talking about Roger." And so he listened for another hour, and so and Terry said, "We got to go up here and talk to this guy." And he's got you know a sixteen year old son. And he goes, why? Why, Dad? He goes, Cause this, this is just too good, you know. What are the chances of us being out here in LBL and Johnny and Elijah just left and we're, we're all here and 
were fishing, and this guy has listened to Johnny's podcast, so they actually went up uh, and talked to that guy, and it was it was just crazy. But he said, uh, you know, he the, he he was listening to it. But he had to wait to his buddies to leave because they wouldn't let him listen to that while they were there. It's too scary. They said, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I don't think I would want to listen to that and then and be out there <clears throat> at the OBL. I think I would kind of that's right. a little, that's a little yeah, bit much. Roger would love to be Roger would love to come on your show again, Josh. All you gotta do is invite him and uh and maybe give your your list your listeners some updates on Roger. And if you want me to come in with you, I'll be happy to do that. And yeah, absolutely. Just, and know. he's welcome to come on any time. He knows that. And <clears throat> and another thing too, you know, like like this is not because I know, and, and I'm going to say this, Roger and Jody don't like each other. There's no secret. Jody's still my friend. I still have right. plans on Jody coming on and talking, and I'm going to let him come on, and we're going to do a show. Um, it's just Jody's very busy. He's always really busy doing stuff, and he's been real busy, but um, I am too. But w- eventually I'll do a show with him. But I have a lot of, of people lined up. There's a lot of people that, that, that need to come on and talk and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, but Barton, yeah. this is a long time coming for me and you. Now we've talked about all, a lot of this ourselves, but we just kept saying, "Hey, yeah, we got to get this done. We got to get this done." But off coming off the heels of Johnny passing, I just thought, you know what? I, it's just very important that yeah. me and you were good friends with Johnny. We need to we need to you know do a show together and, right. and yeah. yeah. And I'm going to dedicate this one to, to Johnny and his memory. Right, exactly. So Johnny's like you. I feel you know we've never. I've never met you, Josh, but well, I've talked to you so much, and it seems like you're just like a long lost brother that yeah. I, I just completely met. And God has put several brothers, new brothers, into my life, and Johnny was one of them. And it was uh, just it, it hit me like a it just knocked the wind right out of me when he when he died. And you know, it's just a terrible thing. And hopefully, uh, some of your listeners might feel moved to to go ahead and and, and donate a little what they can to help uh, Elijah and Gabby out. You know, I know they're they're lost right now. You know, they lost their mother four months ago and just lost her dad. So uh, any anything that anyone can do would be much appreciated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we talk, we talk forever, you know, and, but I, I've only scratched the surface of, of my own experiences with you. I haven't even told you about the scariest moment of my life, but maybe we'll do that next time. Yeah. Definitely come back and and don't be a stranger. You're not going to be a stranger on the show. I know you're not going to be a stranger in my personal life, but on the show too. So, folks, that's all the time we have. Um, the man, the legend, uh, Josh Turner. I'm just kidding. The man, the legend, Barton Nunley. Everybody knows Barton Nunley. He's the man, and uh, he's a good friend of mine. I'm proud to say that he's my friend and and uh, somebody that I can talk to just about anything. Um, and uh, it's it's a shame and it's very heartbreaking and it's sad what happened with uh with Johnny and I just can't believe it and I'm just so uh it's so surreal yeah, right now. It's just crazy. And you know, I'm not you know, I'm a grown man, I'm fifty five years old, Josh. But I'm not too proud to say that I cried like a baby when Elijah called me up and yeah, told absolutely. me that his dad is dead. I cried like a baby. So, you know, and I can't and I haven't cried in eight years. So that's how much I thought of him. You know, we had a lot of plans to do videos and his nightmare nuggets and investigations and all our plans, you know, and just another. Yeah, me and him had had planned the Bell Witch and we were going to do, you know, we had all that. We we talked about it for a while, too. And it was just like, 
it was like deja vu because me and Scott Mar the same thing. We had been going back and forth. Hey, we're going to do a, a a water cryptids thing, you know, whatever with Ryan, and then right. same thing with Johnny. And it was like, I'm going to well, leave everybody with this, and and I wanted to say this let and me, do what? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't oh, need to cut you off. Oh no, no. It, I just I wanted to say something, and my wife, she didn't know what the what, whether you know I should say it. I'm, I'm going to tell everybody. My wife had a dream that she was by Johnny's bedside and he had passed and she was crying in the dream. And she told me, she woke up, she told me that dream and Johnny had passed. And she said that April had in her dream, April showed up and took Johnny by the hand and she goes, it's okay. I got this, you know? And my wife woke up. Yeah. Wow. And so see when April died, very April profound. died just two weeks before I was, me and Letitia were supposed to go down and meet them at LBL and take her creek, creek walking because I promised I would take her creek walking and teach her how to find arrowheads in these creeks. Right? And two weeks, we missed her by two weeks. And then, you know, it just seems like yesterday we were, Johnny and I and Elijah and, and Mark and, and, and Terry, we were all down at LBL having a good time. I grilled steaks for everybody. You know, everybody was, you know, just fine. And now to think that Johnny's, you know, not with us anymore, it's just hard to grasp. It really is. It is. It's hard. It's hard to wrap your mind around. I mean, my wife, you know, she talked about how me and Johnny had these long conversations and we would talk and whenever he'd post something on Facebook and I'd see it, I'd kind of go, well, I think I need to talk to him. And I'd call him and we'd talk and yeah, we had these long conversations and then it was just so weird. I mean, it just happened and <laughs> the same illness I had at the same time. And, um, yeah, I don't know. God spared me. All I can say is God spared me for a reason. And Johnny moved on. And I really think that, that he moved on, but I think he's okay. I mean, I don't feel like any negativity, but I think uh, his children yeah. need help, you know, and that's, so folks, like we said, if there's anything you can do about that, that's great. And, um, for me and Barton, uh, that's going to be it, but Barton will be back. He'll come back on and we'll talk some more and we'll talk about his, some of his experiences. I know he has more to, 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 there's some meat on the bones still folks. Oh yeah, definitely. So thanks for having me on your show, Josh. It's always, it's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm honored that you wanted to have me on your show again. Well, I'm honored to have oh, you yeah. on. You, you were on the show for the, the live stream, but that's different than having you on, uh -huh. you know. Um, you know, but, but don't be a stranger. You drop in anytime. And also, you know, I'm glad that we could sit here and do these, uh, these Friday, these Friday night shows, because that, that there's a lot of stuff that needs to be said that, you know, the, 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 the live stream's kind of hectic. There's people talking, you know, all this other stuff. And yeah. this is just me and you right. talking right here, like friends and, and it's, it's a different atmosphere. So that's why the Friday shows are important. And some people don't, don't watch YouTube at all. They, all they do is watch us, you know, from the, uh, the different platforms that we're on on, on uh, Spotify and all that. So, anyways, uh, from everybody here at PRT Paranormal Roundtable, we appreciate you listening uh, uh, to me and Barton. I hope that you uh, enjoyed it. I know that I did. And uh, good night. Have good night, everyone. God bless.